This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer.com and you can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer. You can also, uh, if you're in the Indianapolis area, go to our event in Irvington. It's called Shocktober in Irvington. It's a one-night event screening of short horror films from local filmmakers. Um, that is on October October 6th, 2017 this year, and it starts at 8 o'clock. Tickets are on sale now uh, at shocktoberinirvington.com. Also go to the event page on Facebook. It's going to be a great year. We have a lot of great prizes we're going to give away and a lot of great uh, filmmakers we're going to interview. It's going to be a lot of fun. Again, that's October 6th at the Irving Theater in Irvington. All proceeds from that event go to the Irvington Historical Society. And also, uh, sponsor for this week's episode is, of course, Horror Movie Yearbook. Horror Movie Yearbook is a great, um, uh, horror movie podcast that takes a series or takes a few movies, horror movies from a certain year and reviews them and then contextualizes them to the pop culture and current events of the year that they were released. And, uh, it's a really great podcast. They just recently did, uh, a very nice tribute to George Romero, who just recently passed away, as well as doing a commentary track for, uh, Sleepaway Camp. Uh, so definitely go ahead and check that out at HM Yearbook on Twitter and at HorrorMovieYearbook.com. And thank you to Horror Movie Yearbook and to the Midwest Podcast Network for sponsoring this week's episode. Uh, Tiny, how's it going? It's going good. Good, good. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. A little good. tired. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. Um, what are we doing today? Uh, we're talking about Logan Lucky. Yes, yes we are. And every time, every time. I say that before we talk about news. <laughs> yes, yeah. you do. So today on the podcast, we're reviewing Logan Lucky from C- uh, Steven Soderbergh. And uh, and yeah, so what we're going to do uh, before that is we have a few news items to kick off the episode with. So uh, the first one is we did something. I did something and forced you into it. Mm-hmm. Um, we started a new podcast Yes, it's called Tower Junkies, a Dark Tower podcast where we, uh, it's a podcast devoted to all things Dark Tower and Stephen King, and it's available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere else podcasts are found at, and, and on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at Tower Junkies Pod. Uh, go check it out. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be doing a lot of episodes about, uh, the Dark Tower. Not not architecture. Oh, really? I no. thought it was an architecture. No, no. T- towers with with dark no. dark paint. No, tower junkies. It's it's where we're doing like a human oh. pyramid with drug addicts. Oh, okay, yeah. there we yeah. go. <laughs> That's so dumb. That's <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> so dumb. Anyway, it's about the it's about the dark tower series. You guys have heard us talk at length about that about that uh, that 
intellectual property. Uh, so we started a new podcast about it. Go check it out. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of fun uh, episodes. We have them divided into different categories. So we're going to do like episodes where we do like book review, uh, book club review episodes of it that we're hoping to get Fekus and, and Tony Troxel on for. And then we're also going to be doing uh, just general conversations, also reviews of other Stephen King works that aren't related to the Dark Tower or are, depending. So, yeah, so check that out at TowerJunkiesPod.com. And, uh, yeah, so that is our pitch for the new podcast. And, yes, speaking uh, – oh, I can go either way with this. Yeah. Huh. Speaking of – Let's let's go with the third one. Um, <laughs> speaking of other podcasts from obsessiveviewer.com, that was a terrible segue. I should have gone in order of how I've listed. But anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, Black Mirror, the incredible, incredible TV series uh, from Charlie Brooker, is coming back for season four. They haven't announced a release date yet, but they did release a teaser trailer showing the titles and clips from uh, episodes that are coming up in this season. And Tiny, you just watched this teaser for the first time. What did you think of it? What caught your eye? We didn't get a good glimpse of really anything, but there are some elements of each episode that kind of are a little eye-catching. So what's, what's your take on it, and what's your excitement level for season four of Black Mirror? Um, I feel like... It was almost a pointless trailer. Yeah, that's mean because, like, <laughs> well, like the they, it was basically just the episode titles more than mm -hmm. anything because the the clips weren't really clips. It was right. like almost like screen grabs. Basically, they were mm -hmm. so short that you just couldn't even really right tell anything about them hardly. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's exciting that there's more Black Mirror coming out. Right. I really wish they would have announced a release date. Yeah. Um, if only so I can hurry up and finish up my bonus episode review series of uh dimension 404 for anthology i've been slacking so much on that podcast i'm so sorry guys <laughs> but anyway um yeah a couple things that caught my eye though uh that yeah it is it is pretty not pointless but it would have been it would have been a more complete teaser if we had a release date yeah but um a couple things that that caught my eye are the <laughs> the episode USS Callister mm -hmm. um which is a space episode, which is mind blowing to me. And it's, it looks like it, it looks, it looks exactly like a black mirror, Star Trek episode. Right. Um, like by design, it looks to be, it looks, it looks that way. No idea how they're going to incorporate that or how mm. that, how that's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be straightforward or if it's going to be, something i don't like i'm so curious about it and that's that's what i love about this series is that it could be anything yeah um i noticed jesse plemons in that that was jesse plemons yeah holy shit yeesh was that really i'm about 90 percent sure it was it looked like him it did and i feel like a dick because when i saw it, i was like yeah, he kind of looks like a goofy william shatner yeah <laughs> pasty ginger kid yeah like god him. damn it that was that was jesse plemons nice why did i not know that yeah he's right there i'm an idiot but anyway yeah that makes me even more excited yeah um but there's that and then there's an episode called metalhead that looks like it's going to be all black and white mm -hmm. and uh that looks interesting um and man i don't i don't know i'm just i'm just so excited because i love this show so much yeah um i'm super pumped for it 
Um, yeah, and I'm curious if any of them are going to be as emotionally devastating as, say, San Junipero or Be Right Back or uh, The Entire History of You or 15 Million Merits. <laughs> Just such a great show. I'm so excited for it. So we'll we'll you know we will mention it when it comes out probably or i'll be reviewing it on anthology maybe i could do a guest appearance oh, really? on anthology yeah, i mean yeah you can you can Let me rephrase ahead. i'm gonna do a freaking guest appearance on anthology no that's fine you can definitely invite yourself onto my podcast damn right <laughs> no but that would actually be a good idea to do like a crossover episode where it's yeah. us talking about like i'll still do it one one by one but do like mm-hmm. a wrap-up episode for the season. Okay. Nice. Sweet. Mega then, plans. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that's exciting. That's awesome. Yeah. For a variety of reasons. And then uh, rounding out news for this week is what I probably should have transitioned from the Tower Junkies part to. But anyway, I'm a shameless self-promoter. Um, rounding out news is Terry O'Quinn who played John Locke on Lost, has joined J.J. Abrams's Hulu uh, limited series Castle Rock, based on the work of Stephen King. Uh, of course, Castle Rock is the fictitious town that's kind of a neighbor of Derry, Maine, um, in his in his Stephen King multiverse, essentially. Um, and so the show is like a, is is presumably going to be a an anthology series uh, season like season arcs instead of like not episodic, but, um, and it's, it looks like it's going to be really good. And I love Terry O'Quinn. What did you make of this news and how excited are you for it? Uh, super excited. I've loved Terry O'Quinn for a long time. Um, and I, I have not been keeping up on, uh, any news really for, for Mm -hmm. Castle Rock, which is a shame. Um, because there's some other people casted, cast who have been cast yes in the show um most notably i'm pulling it up mm-hmm. most notably uh scott glenn mm-hmm. sissy spacek melanie linsky and bill skarsgård mm-hmm. so who, of course bill skarsgård is pennywise in the new it movie right so i wonder how they're gonna work that out same here i wonder if he's yeah. gonna be if he's gonna play i don't know if it's gonna be a cameo i don't know I, like we obviously don't know anything we, he could be playing a completely different character mm-hmm. i have no idea how the rights are are uh figured out but scott glenn has me excited because he's playing um alan pangborn which i admittedly pretty much all the castle rock stories are in my Stephen King blind spot. Me too. Yeah. So, but I've heard a lot about Alan Pangborn as being a, as being a really, a really good character who he was in, I believe, was he in the dead zone? I think he was the sheriff in the dead zone. I think. Could be. I don't recall. And then also in Needful Things, apparently. Okay. Which it's interesting and we'll get into the episode here shortly, but, um, it's interesting because (laughs) Needful Things, the premise of it is like I'm really I'm like it's probably one of my most uh one of my top like want to he want to re- want to read this book by Stephen King more than a lot of the other ones mm-hmm. but the way that my mind is like wired and I had a I had a conversation with Tony Troxel about this um the way that my my mind is wired knowing that that like at the time of its release it was it was like 
it was like the the last Castle Rock story. Like, I'm just like I I kind of need to read all the Castle Rock books because mm-hmm. like they're not like it's just the setting. Like those are just books that are set in Castle Rock. But I feel like I would need to I would need to read them in order. Same reason why. I, like I haven't read any of the Bachman books, even though they don't have any narrative connection, I still want to read them in in the order in chronological order. I, I because know. you're you. Because I'm me, <laughs> and and you can now listen to more of me, <laughs> and uh, and more of Tiny putting up with me <laughs> on Tower Junkies. Yeah, yeah. So um, so yeah, so uh, yeah. So that's exciting. I'm really excited for that. Also, next month. Uh, Gerald's Game is coming out on Netflix. Did you hear about this? Yeah, you told me about it. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I started listening to the audiobook for for Gerald's Game, and it's it's interesting so far. Nice. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I thought there was one more thing. Oh, <laughs> speaking of Stephen King, and then we will get into our Logan Lucky review. We have a group screening like event planned um, on September 9th at the Traders Point Theater in Indianapolis here on the west side. Um, at 1 p.m. Saturday, September 9th, we're all going to, like everyone from the Facebook group or everyone that can make it, we're all getting together and we're going to see, go to, a, like, we're going to see it, the movie. Um, so go check out the Facebook page and check out the event page. We have it as the, uh, <laughs> it's funny because we did this for the Dark Tower and it was just me and Tony. And then now we've got like like me, you, Tony, uh, Matt and Draco is going to be there, mm-hmm. which is going to be really exciting because I've never met him in person. Yes. So it's going to be interesting um, and exciting. And then if we get more people, it's like what I like about that is that with the with the Dark Tower one, I named it the Dark Tower uh, Obsessive Viewer Cotet Screening. And then with it, it's the uh, it's uh, it uh, obsessive the Obsessive Viewer uh, Losers Club Screening or something. Yeah. So, so that. I was like, yeah, that was exciting. You should just call it the Obsessive Losers Club. That could that could have worked. Yeah. Opportunity missed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh well. well. But anyway, um, that's enough news. That's yeah. Go check it out. It's BYOT. Buy your own tickets. Yes. We're kind of buying our tickets in row G, so you know, go check that out and meet us there and talk to us after the movie and stuff, but not during the movie. Please don't. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we are here to review Logan Lucky. Um, I'm going to read... Do you want to read the IMDb synopsis? I would love to. It's very thorough. It's very thorough. <laughs> Two brothers attempt to pull off a heist during a NASCAR race in North Carolina. They sure do. Super detailed. Yes. So <laughs> this movie is directed by Steven Soderbergh. And if I'm not mistaken, he came out of retirement to direct it. Did he sure did. Yeah. His last movie was Behind the Candelabra for HBO, which I never watched. Oh, okay. Sure. Like four or five years ago. Yeah, yeah. Damn. It has uh, Channing Tatum, uh, Adam Driver, Daniel Craig, <laughs> uh, Jim O'Hare, mm-hmm. who uh, I, I got a kick out of seeing him. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and it's it's a movie, and I saw it last night after work, and uh, yeah, it was written by Rebecca Blunt, and I feel like I should know... Nope, I don't know that name from anything. Neither do I. Yeah, this is her only writing credit. Um, So, Tiny, what were your expectations for Logan Lucky? Because the reason that we're reviewing this is that you you mentioned that you had just seen it, and I was like, oh, hey, I'll go see it too, and we'll we'll review it. Mm -hmm. And uh, what what prompted you to go see this movie? Uh, I was prompted almost 100% by the fact... That it was Steven Soderbergh. Oh, interesting. Uh, I am a huge fan of his. I just think he's mm-hmm. a great... 
I, I like his writing more than mm-hmm. anything, I think. Um, but, you know, and it, obviously it had the heist aspect to it. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm an unabashed film uh, fan of uh, the Oceans films. Right. Um, 11, 12, and 13. 12 was kind of weak, mm-hmm. for being honest. Um, but I, I think those are really fun movies. I love heist movies in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think, uh, Soderbergh kind of, kind of took, took, he kind of takes the cake, you know, he's the, I think the, the Oceans films are kind of at the height of that, uh, subgenre, mini genre, if you will. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, all those things combined. And the fact that, um, unlike our co-host who's on sabbatical, Mike, mm-hmm. uh, I love rednecks. Oh yeah. Especially just watching them. Not it's not just Mike. <laughs> I yeah, can't, I can't stand Red Can't stand either. I mean, not 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 like that sounds terrible. I don't. It's just not that subculture isn't something I'm. Yeah, too crazy about. I, I'm I'm just an, a conscientious observer of it. I find sure. I find it very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, hillbillies and and redneck rednecks and what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find it very entertaining, and that. That was on like full display in the movie, so mm-hmm. it, it seemed like it was going to be so. Um, yeah, that all those things drew me in. Nice. Plus the C Tates. Oh yeah, yeah. Love Channing Tatum. <laughs> if viewers will remember me um, fondly referring to him as such in our review of Jupiter, was it Jupiter Ascending, yeah, yeah. and Ian Feckus, right, were giving me shit, and I was like, yeah, I'm standing by it. C Tates. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> that just sounds like something you'd get at like. Burger King or something. It sounds like a, a brand of cereal or something. Yeah, or like Tater Tots or something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. No, also, I mean, Adam Driver is one of my favorite actors yeah. right now. Oh, yeah. As well. So there's Same that. here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I had seen the trailer for it once or twice and thought it looked thought it looked fun. And uh, I, pro- I wasn't planning on seeing it until Tiny... Tiny to mention that he saw it and we needed a topic. So I went and saw it last night. Um, the theater, I mean, it was a Monday night, um, seven o'clock screening. So um, there was like four other people in it. I want to gripe just a little bit as I normally do. Um, uh, and they weren't that bad, but like the people right behind me, it was like, I got kind of nervous because like the it trailer played and like, the trailer for it's incredible. Like I'm so excited for that movie. Um, but like, there's a part where, um, I believe it's bill, the, the the kid playing bill Denbro walks, uh, is walking through a house and he is following what looks to be muddy footprints or maybe bloody foot footprints, one or the other. But the guy behind me, just like he doesn't whisper to the guy next to him, he just says like, "Yeah, go follow the muddy footprints, muddy footprints, dumbass." I'm like, "Is this the kind of experience I'm going to be having tonight? <laughs> like, is this guy going to be fucking commenting on every fucking thing?" Is Matt Hurt going to have to choke a bitch? Is Matt Hurt going to have to complain on a podcast <laughs> <laughs> in the safety of his apartment, away from the people that could, you know, harm him? Oh, um, boy, no. And fortunately, it was fortunately it wasn't bad or anything, but it was just like. It was just weird because I was like, what? like, I mean, it's it's a snippet of like you have no context for this scene, like mm-hmm. you know something like you have no idea what context it is for that scene, like why comment on that? But anyway, um, anyway, uh, yeah. So I I you know I saw the movie and now we're gonna review it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's about all I got for it as far as uh, preparation or, or uh, excitement for it. Did that 
movie goer continue to suck throughout the movie? He he didn't. He was he was okay. He was good. okay. Good. Um Yeah, yeah. There was one part where uh a word is said um in the movie that clearly like clearly at that point, like Channing Tatum says a word and like it's clear that that we as the audience aren't meant to know what what he means by it, like what what the significance of it mm-hmm. is, and like it's blatantly obvious. And then the guy behind me is just like, "Wait, what does he mean by that?" And I'm like, "I'm sitting there like just just watch the movie, let the movie tell you, let the movie tell you what it means." Like, <laughs> like yeah, it's like what? Just let the movie tell you, right? So anyway, if you like, annoying. yeah. So if you like hearing me complain about the theater viewings, come see it with us on the ninth. <laughs> In reference, to almost every other episode we've ever done. Of yeah. The podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, JK. yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I know I'm a terrible person. But anyway, um, yeah. So in in yeah. So that was about the extent of my excitement for this movie. Um, I mean, you know, Steven Soderbergh. I. I, I I don't really, he's not like a, a director that I really, um, really leech onto or I really seek out. Um, granted, he hasn't really made anything, um, in the last few years. But I mean, like, like I saw Traffic when I was in high school and I just, I just wasn't crazy about it. Contagion is another movie that I saw that I was just, it was, it was a little bit, dry to me mm-hmm. um it kind of didn't have and th- this is kind of an experience that i'm i'm seeing with uh like this echoes what how i felt about uh logan lucky a little bit but like uh like contagion didn't seem to despite its premise didn't really seem to have much of a momentum to it for me to latch on to um and that's kind of the similar thing that i felt about logan lucky but it's funny because going through his filmography like there's a lot of stuff in here that like are movies that i want to watch or should have seen and just haven't seen yeah um i kind of forgot that he was responsible for a lot of these movies like um aaron brockovich i've never seen uh the oh, remake wow. of solaris which i love the original but yeah, i've never pulled the trigger on this remake <laughs> um oh yeah he was he he uh he made the informant we mm-hmm. we liked that, that we sure did good. yeah um, yeah, so, uh, so yeah, so that was my expectations and everything for Logan Lucky. Um, what did you think of the movie overall? And then we can get into more detailed analysis. Absolutely. Um, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Nice. Um, I just, I feel like, uh, I, I feel like it's going to be sort of written off a little bit because it's obviously highly derivative of Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> right. Um, it's, it's Ocean's Eleven with Hillbillies. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's what it is. Um, but that just didn't bother me like at all. Um, and, and part of it, like I, like I said, at the talking about expectations is uh, just bias on my part that I love. I love Soderbergh. I love, uh, heist movies and I love hillbillies. So you put all those th- three things together and I'm going to enjoy the crap out of it. So a mm-hmm. bunch of bias here. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, but being objective, yeah, it's highly derivative and it's almost like a rehash, if you will, of Ocean's mm-hmm. Eleven. So I can understand why people are critical of that or um, didn't like it for that reason. But I loved it for all those reasons. Um, I think it was shockingly clever um, amongst the seeming silliness and stupidity of 
the characters involved. Mm-hmm. Um, surprisingly clever on on that level. Um, it's I, I just enjoyed seeing some of these actors kind of kind of playing against the archetypes or the typecast that are the things that they're famous for sort Mm -hmm. of um that was that was really enjoyable for me um and just the the minutiae i guess would be the right word or the the small details of the movie i found really pleasing i think that's why i like soderbergh in general is uh his attention to detail um which i can get into later um yeah i thought it was really enjoyable um it's I, i don't know if it's it's not. It's not better than Ocean's Eleven. I don't know if it's Steven Soderbergh's best movie or anything like that. It's. It's. Right. It's not. But um, I, I liked it. I liked it better than some of his other movies. Um, I think it's. I think it's in his. You know, his top fifty percent of work. I. I really enjoyed nice. it. And um, unfortunately, it is bombing. It is, isn't it? It's yeah. not doing well. Yeah, the budget was like thirty million. I think it's only made fourteen. Oh man. Yeah, it's not doing good at all. You know, in. <sighs> And I don't know what to make it like because this is like this this year at the box office has just been brutal. It's like, been bad. Yeah, it's been it's been terrible. Well, I mean, if you um, got if you have Channing Tatum, you got to make him take a shirt off. And right. they, they didn't do that and, in yeah, this movie. That's true. So um, that's where they screwed up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Adam Driver took his arm off. He sure so did. He got that he sure did. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's that's interesting. I'm I'm glad that you liked it, and not to say that I didn't like it, but. Um, my kind of overall thoughts on the movie are that it, it, this is a really interesting movie to me (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it's about two hours long and I spent a good amount of it just kind of going along for the ride and just kind of thinking like, okay, this is fine. This is, this is okay. And it, um, but it didn't, I didn't feel that strongly connected to the characters or the heist, um, itself. And like, I, I also love a good heist movie. Have we ever done heist movies? I think we have. Have we? But I, I don't know. I don't think it's pretty awesome that we've done so many episodes that we don't know. Yeah, exactly. This is a nice moment. Yeah. But honestly, I don't recall. Wow. Here's what we do. We go into a secure location and we get the blueprints to our, to a podcast facility. Yes. We go in and then we, we record an episode about heist movies. Anyway, (laughs) stupid. Um, (laughs) So dumb. Anyway. um, Yeah. So throughout most of the movie, I was just like, okay, this is fine. I'm, I'm okay with this. It's, it's entertaining. Like, um, like I said, like, (laughs) I feel like I completely like alienated people or anything like i didn't mean to i didn't mean to say like oh i hate rednecks or anything it's just like i don't i'm not i'm just not a fan of like hillbilly culture or anything it's just not for me Mm -hmm. um but like even with that um that bias that bigotry on my part um, (laughs) i didn't feel like it was i didn't feel like the the characters in the movie were uh too like too hillbilly for me like Mm -hmm. they weren't like like the the uh typical hillbillies like redneck like they weren't like caricatures of that of that subculture or anything they were just like they were seemed like kind of just regular guys and it just the the dialogue seemed very fluid and very uh natural um my issues with it which we can kind of expand on on later and everything is that throughout most of the movie um and I feel like this this is a script script problem and maybe an overall 
um, overall idea problem. But throughout most of the movie, I was just like, I, I feel like the motivation for the heist and for what, for what the characters are doing was just really, really not clear at all. Um, so like, like there were several moments throughout the movie where I was like, Oh wait, is this why he's doing that? Like that would make sense because of that, because of that one scene, but he never said like, that's why he was doing that. So like, I couldn't really make heads or tails of like why these characters are risking their freedom to pull off this heist. And like by the end of it, and we'll talk about it in spoilers, like it, it, kind of became a little more clear and was actually pretty clever, but that was kind of at the expense of, you know, any type of emotional attachment to the narrative in the first two acts of the movie. And that kind of made me kind of, kind of made me not tune out the movie, but made me kind of think like I could probably fall asleep right now, <laughs> like during the movie, but I had a Coke, so I was fine. But, um, but yeah, it was just one of those things where I was like, I was enjoying myself. It just, it wasn't, uh, it just wasn't, didn't really do much for me until the end. And then when it all came together, it, it pieced together pretty well, but it wasn't anything that I, like, I'm not gonna, uh, it wasn't anything that left too strong of an impression on me. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yep. Um, I did like the performances, though. Mm -hmm. um, Daniel Craig as Joe Bang was really, really fun. Uh, he seemed like he had a lot of fun with that role. Um, and there were some good comedic beats with him. Uh, his two brothers were the closest to, like, um, to the prototypical uh, redneck caricatures, but they were fine. It was, it was still entertaining. Mm -hmm. Uh, what'd you think of them? And what did you think of Channing Tatum and, and Adam driver? I, man, I really loved, I really loved the performances and I loved the, the West Virginianness of it mm -hmm. because, um, people, I don't know if people realize that there's such a spectrum of like, southern accents mm -hmm. um you know you got your texas people who kind of mumble when they talk like this texas and you got your, i walk in i work in a call center so yeah 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 and you got yeah. you got your twang kentucky and tennessee people and it's just like there's there's a whole spectrum of southern mm -hmm. southern accents or accents in general but mm -hmm. uh i loved this like the west virginia accent that you don't really see a lot or mm -hmm. i don't know maybe the appalachian accent kind of if you will sure. um it's very it's very enunciated, mm -hmm. but they enunciate words improperly, <laughs> like cauliflower. Mm -hmm. Like they over enunciate the word cauliflower. Yeah. Like that's just, that was so funny. Like, yeah, I heard you know computers. <laughs> like they just over enunciate, but yeah. they, it's it's so, and they think they all nailed it. Especially Adam mm -hmm. Driver, I loved the way he yeah. he said they talk so slow, like. Mm -hmm. Every one of their podcast episodes, if people in West Virginia had a podcast, would be four four hours long because they, right. they just talk so slowly. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like pretty much everybody nailed that pretty well, um, yeah. with the exception of Daniel Craig. I feel like he was trying pretty hard to do really? his to do his kind of southern accent a little bit, okay. um, which felt kind of like a general southern accent accent as opposed to a Appalachian one, mm -hmm. if you will. Anyways. Um, I, I, but I did love him. It was very fish out of water for him. You know, he's always, yeah. he always seems to be pretty cal play very calculated characters. And he was just such a wild card and off the wall mm -hmm. with this, um, the scene where he was explaining the science on the wall. <laughs> yeah. That was so funny. Um, but yeah, I, I loved the performances. Um, big kudos, 
kudos to Farrah McKenzie, who played uh, the daughter of Jane. Oh Tatum. yeah, I thought she was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I I enjoyed her performance a lot. Um, she was very charming, very cute. Um, but I what, the only performance I wasn't crazy about was Riley Kyo. Kyo. Yeah, Melly. Yes. Yeah. Um, she just seemed very uh, kind of there. Mm-hmm. She didn't have a lot of depth, I guess. I don't know what they were going for there, what kind of archetype they were going for with her character, but yeah, she was fine, but I just felt like her character kind of lacked some depth, um, and I didn't really understand who she was for a little while. They didn't lay that out all that well. Yeah, that was one of my main problems, too, but go right. ahead. I, th- I thought for a second she might be like Channing Tatum's current girlfriend. Yeah. Like when he came into the hair salon and I was like, so who, who's this girl? Like, I don't know. Um, so that was a little bit rough there. Um, but yeah, all in all, I love the performances. That was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and the setting, you know, just where it took place. Uh, I enjoyed that thoroughly. Yeah. Um, that, that was probably the high point for me too. The, the performances were really good. Like you said, they really did nail the accent and everything. But yeah, uh, to talk more about Riley Keough or however you pronounce her name mm-hmm. as Melly. Yeah, I had that same problem and it, it took me out of the movie. Yeah. Um, because her first scene is, is Channing Tatum going into the hair salon, I yeah. guess. And like, that's her introduction. It makes it sound like she's the mom. Right. And then it's then you get introduced to Katie Holmes, who is clearly the mom. So you're like, is that like you said? I kind of wonder, like, is she his girlfriend, or or what, or what's the deal, or is she um, Katie Holmes' sister? Because mm-hmm. she kind of seemed like kind of shitty with her with him right. in that scene. It's not until a while into the movie that like I pieced together that she was one of the Logans. Right. Um. So that and that's kind of indicative to how I felt about the first to uh the first two um acts of the movie itself because like it was just like it was very not i was very disengaged throughout the first uh the first two acts just because i just i was just going along with it i was just like okay um yeah that this is fine this is totally fine (laughs) but i don't i'm not tracking what exactly is going on or why it's going on um it just seemed seemed kind of uh kind of difficult to piece together mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Um but the, it didn't kill the movie for me though. Right. Yeah. It right. was still pretty okay. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. I think it was a like a script or writing issue mm-hmm. more than anything cuz I think I think she did a pretty decent job as a as an actress. So yeah. I liked her performance. Um but earlier on you mentioned the whole like motivation thing mm-hmm. and I'm with you on that like 100% because mm-hmm. um it was very unclear. I think, mm-hmm. I think a big chunk of it was kind of um, bucking the Logan curse, if you will, the Logan mm-hmm. family curse, and kind of proving that they can actually pull something off. Sort of. I think that was yeah. part of it. Mm-hmm. But you know, you can do that by like trying to paint something or build a car or like they're not thieves. You know what I mean? They're not. Right. They're not crooks or thieves. And so, like, why do they? feel like they need to steal something. I I realize they're poor and they want money. Right. Obviously. But this is like a mastermind heist movie. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why, why is this kind of dumb jock, washed Mm -hmm. up dumb jock archetype guy 
plan such a complicated heist, uh, that's like a mastermind style heist. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, so, it really didn't. That was that was a pretty substantial flaw of the movie. Yeah, and it was it really was to the detriment of of the characters really because like you said like i was i was struggling to really piece together what the deal was because like in that scene with katie holmes she's like um uh she she reveals something to him and then he says like well when am i going to get to see my daughter and what whatnot and then she's like oh you can you can drive down to wherever um to see us it's only like 40 minutes or something you can cross state lines and i thought like for a second like for a second since there was so little development there i was like is he maybe like on parole like is he a criminal and on parole and can't cross state lines is that what the deal is that's what i was thinking too yeah but that's and that's not the case and like about the logan curse like i feel like we got like maybe a couple of scenes if that if i'm being generous um and like the first scene we get just talking about the logan curse is that it's Adam Driver talking about it, and that's like his first lines in the movie before you even know who who he is in relation to Channing Tatum, or mm-hmm. before you even know that he only has one arm. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's kind of I just I just couldn't piece it together, and that was that was to the detriment of the movie for me. <laughs> um, but the actual comedic elements of it, and the the heist the heistian elements of it, um, probably not a word is, uh, we're, we're pretty, pretty good. I, I, like I was, like I said, I was along for the ride and, um, I was, I was pretty fine with it. Mm -hmm. Um, like none of those complaints really derailed the movie or destroyed the movie for me. Yeah. Um, what did you, (laughs) oh, and, and yeah, again, I echo your sentiments about Channing Tatum and, and Adam Driver's performances. But what did you think of uh Seth MacFarlane? I thought it was really random. Yeah. Um and, and it was funny because the scene there's a scene, his introduction into the his character's introduction into the movie is a very entertaining scene. It's a very fun scene. Mm-hmm. Um but the payoff for it is very odd like there's such an he's such an over-the-top character yeah and it's such an over-the-top scene mm-hmm. that basically sets up a scene way later in the movie like after mm-hmm. like in the denouement like after right. the climax and everything and like you almost forget about him yeah and it's it's just such a it feels like he's going to be a hugely pivotal character mm-hmm. in the movie when he's really not he's yeah. just kind of a he just ends up being being what's supposed to be a witness for something mm-hmm. and he just it kind of falls apart and yeah. it's it was just oddly oddly structured i guess and just like yeah. i don't know like the the importance of it was very overplayed i think mm-hmm. yeah like but it was it also a very entertaining thing yeah i mean it was it was pretty entertaining so yeah and i i think the thing that i the thing that I, i'm struggling with with this is that it it's an entertaining movie and everything but um what I expect out of heist movies and about movies like that are, that are like this is that when you have, like you can have a, a heist planned out. Um, and then obviously the cornerstone of any heist movie is that things go wrong and they have to improvise and everything. Mm -hmm. But like what I feel like, I feel like we got, I feel like the movie gave us so little of the setup and, and the intricacies of it. Like they were, it was like they were hiding, the actual plan from us 
in order to reveal that it was some big like there was some big like wrinkle in it that that was that wasn't like things weren't as they seemed but it feels like it feel it felt like most of the movie was set up for that and then it kind of felt like they got bored and was like oh well let's not let's let's not work let's let's make it this instead of that and then make it like not as effective um hmm. that was i that was how i we can talk more about that in spoilers but yeah but yeah i was just kind of it's a very peculiar movie cuz like i watched it and i I was okay with it, uh, and then toward the end, I kind of it picked up momentum, and I was a little more intrigued. And then, then the movie ended, and I was just like, "All right, I, I, I can't even be mad about it. Like yeah. it's not like it wasn't a bad experience." Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, do you have any closing thoughts, or should we just jump into spoilers? We can jump into spoilers. Cool. Okay. Charlotte Motor Speedway. I know how they move the money. The only guy who knows anything about blowing up real bank vaults is Joe Bang. I am in car, sir. Ray dead. Yeah, we got a plan to get you out. Yeah, so spoilers on for Logan Lucky. Um okay, so tiny yes the reason for the heist is that channing tatum wanted to have enough money to move closer to where katie holmes and his daughter were moving right i believe so okay that's what i pieced together and i was like that's charming i'd like that that's that's okay mm-hmm. it wasn't communicated like at all yeah not not well at all um and then I mean, what else is there? <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, we in the non-spoiler, we didn't really talk about the prison scenes. I, I enjoyed that. Yes. Yeah, those The Game were, of Thrones thing. Yeah, the Game of Thrones thing was really funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Dwight Yoakam was, was great. And that, yeah, okay. Dwight Yoakam was great. And what I didn't understand about the, the denouement, like after the heist, when Hillary, like, first of all, I'm sitting there, like, I'm, I'm mentally like tracking where we're at in the movie. I'm like, okay, well, this has got to be like, now we're just, they pulled it off and now we're just going to kind of like, everyone's going to, it's now it's like the closing thing. And then I'm like, what is that fucking Hillary Swank? Yeah. Um, Comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And then also Macon Blair is in it too, right. which it's always a treat to see him in things. But yes. I was like, how long is this movie? Do we have like another 45 <laughs> minutes or something? And we didn't. It was still like a 20 minute thing. Yeah, I had the same thought. Yeah. Um, but like what I couldn't understand was that they pulled off the heist and then we get Hillary Swank talking to Dwight Yoakam and to, uh, in, in the scene with, with, um, Seth MacFarlane uh she reveals that the that the driver didn't uh didn't corroborate his story um and then also um oh man there was a third one. oh also the the owner of the track or whoever that character was um talking about the insurance money and everything mm-hmm. like i didn't like i thought like midway through those scenes i was like did it was it was there a bigger plan in place like did change is were like the was the warden and the driver and the uh track guy was were they like working with them somehow but that didn't pay out it would pay off it was just more like i guess it was more like they they were such like robin hood figures or maybe not robin hood figures but like the 
the heist was beneficial to other people that it i it didn't track with me like what did you make of those scenes with with those characters at the end uh it to me it seemed like the, especially with the warden being there it was all just mm-hmm. planning that was part of the plan to have the, make sure that they did the that they got them out of jail while the mm-hmm while the warden was there. Cause obviously he's not, he's going to make the final call on everything mm-hmm. and he's not going to want the publicity and the bad news and all that stuff. And so mm. that's why they waited till the warden was there or they made sure that the warden was going to be there. So he wasn't culpable in it. He was just, he just didn't want the bad press. Right. Okay. Right. It was, pl- that was planning on their part. Okay. Um, and then, you know, I think, I think originally in the movie they were, they were planning to, perform the heist during a much less yeah uh less attended event mm-hmm. at the track and you know instead of stealing five million dollars they were going to steal like eight hundred thousand or a million mm-hmm. or something like that and so when he you know and then you turn back in or you know you make sure they find three quarters of the money and then they submit the rest to insurance that's like nothing. It's not a big deal. It's not publicized right. and it just gets written off as an insurance loss. It's not a big deal. Everybody moves on. There's no investigation, mm-hmm. but because it turned out to be the Coca-Cola 600, um, it's a lot more money. It's a lot more publicized and mm-hmm. it makes the news and there's all this, you know, it turns into a bigger thing. Um, and that's what makes the movie more interesting and all that. But I feel like, I don't know. I feel like the, the way they rolled with the punches kind of changed the made the movie more interesting. I think because okay. if they just rip off that that minor event, it's not as interesting. Right. You don't have the Hillary Swank character coming in and mm-hmm. and you know making it personal and all that shit. Yeah. Um, which I agree was a bit kind of stretched things out a little more than they needed mm-hmm. to be stretched out. Um. And it was a little bit convenient, maybe from a storytelling perspective. Yeah. Because it allows us to explore all the, all the little things, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I said earlier, I like the little things. I like the details. Sure, Steven Soderbergh puts into his movies. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. So yeah, I just I feel like those those little details there were just not for me. Just weren't detailed enough. <laughs> like it didn't. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, it just didn't. It didn't really track coherently. Like I was. I was. I was as like the fallout was happening and as Hillary Swank was doing her Hillary Swank thing and like, like she was kind of sniffing around and, and getting the the real story and everything. I was like, like as she was doing that, I had just as many questions. <laughs> like, cause I was like, I, okay. Yeah. They like, I wasn't sure how they were going to do that. Like in certain things didn't really feel like they connected that well with me either. Like, um, like they had the whole the security guards that they didn't that didn't really have much of a payoff with it. I thought there was going to be something with his limp that would come into play, mm-hmm. and then also like like Adam Driver's arm in the in the suction thing. Like I thought that that was going to be like something that like that would ruin them or, or be like something that would give some kind of momentum and suspense to it. Mm-hmm. But it kind of seemed a little just ineffectual to the main to the overall story and it was just it was just kind of like several different pieces that kind of came together to make really nothing nothing of of impact or import of of importance to to me as a viewer and i just couldn't really connect to it not that i didn't like it i thought it was a fine movie it was just it just didn't really follow through on a lot of things that i was that i in retrospect would hope that it would have okay 
Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. Yep. Anything else you want to talk about with it? Um, oh, there were uh, – I'm – well, I'm positive you didn't pick up on this, but there were cameos from NASCAR drivers. Yeah, I saw Jeff Gordon. Jeff Gordon. Well, but there were like uh, like um, Kyle Busch and Carl Edwards, who are NASCAR drivers, uh, uh-huh. made cameos as like state troopers. Oh, did they? Really? Yeah. Okay. So that was kind of funny. I know the names because I live in Speedway. But... Yes. Yeah. Kyle Busch has won the Brickyard 400 a couple oh, times. nice. Actually, I think he's won it like three or four times. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So it, that was... If you're a NASCAR fan, that was funny. I used to be a big NASCAR fan. I'm not anymore. But uh, um, another fun fact is the race that they robbed, the Coca-Cola 600, mm-hmm. uh, takes place on the same day as the Indy 500. The Indy 500. I, was, I was wondering that because they mentioned it was Memorial Day weekend. Or, yeah. Or, yeah. And yeah. I was like, huh, I didn't realize there were other races on mm-hmm. Memorial Day. It's the biggest day in racing. Oh. 1,100 miles raced in one day. Wow. Um and it's funny because uh, there used to be like almost every year there'd be some driver who'd do both of them. Oh, really? Tony wow. Tony Stewart did it a handful of times. Wow. He would, uh, yeah, he would finish the race and he would finish the Indy 500 at like three or four in the afternoon because the Coca-Cola 600 is a night race. Okay. It starts at like seven or eight at night mm-hmm. when the sun is still up and then the sun goes down and it goes. Mm-hmm. It's pretty. It's, it was, it's a cool race actually. Okay. Um, that was. Another thing about the movie that was a little inaccurate is that it's a night race. Yeah, I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna, gonna question. That. Yeah. So yeah, Tony huh. Stewart used to like finish the Indy 500 and get straight into a helicopter and fly down to North Carolina. Jesus. Fly down to Charlotte for the Coca-Cola 600. Yeah. Wow. It's pretty cool. Didn't he like kill a guy or something? He did. Okay. Unintentionally. I don't oh, want okay. anyone to think that he. Right. You know, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, we you'll hear us talk more about that when we start our fourth podcast uh, <laughs> about auto racing. Yes. The obsessive racists. Um, <laughs> anyway. Nice. Um, yeah. And that, that was another thing. And this is something that I, I mean, we're kind of winding down with it because I, I don't really have much else to say about it. But, yeah. Um, real quick, like seeing because for context, we both live in Speedway, Indiana, which is a, like where the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is. Um, I kind of like watching the movie. I was kind of like when they talked about, uh, Charlotte motor speedway. Mm -hmm. Um, and they talked about like, Oh, how it's basically like its own city and it has year round events and stuff Yeah, and everything. I was like, kind of wish it was something like that. (laughs) IMS, like, (laughs) I know I mean, we like just have a a few races and that's about it. Yeah. An air race. That's pretty cool. Right. But. Yeah, NASCAR has their like headquarters close to Charlotte. Um, North Carolina is kind of like the NASCAR state. Okay. Um, yeah, and they they do have a lot. I think they I know they still have two races at mm-hmm. Charlotte for two NASCAR races a year okay. at Charlotte. They have the Coca Cola Six Hundred and they have the All Star Race there. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Charlotte, the, the Charlotte Motor Speedway is is a big deal um, okay. in the NASCAR world. But uh, mm-hmm. and it really is NASCAR country. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a big deal there. So. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's about it for this review, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Anything I th- else? I think currently it's in my it's in my top ten for the year. Really? But it's low on my top ten, and okay. I, I could see it getting bumped um, depending on what comes out mm-hmm. later on in the next couple months. Um, but I, I, I could see it being, you know, eighth, ninth, or tenth. Um, it's very possible. I And like I said, I just – I love Steven Soderbergh. I, I mm-hmm. love his movies. I've always been a big – even his – Lesser appreciated movies like Haywire and Contagion. Mm-hmm. I found quite a bit of enjoyment in those movies. I've heard still. really good things about Haywire. It's 
it's pretty dry. Okay. Um, and it stars Gina Carano, who right. was not an actress when they right. made the movie. So it's a little rough for that reason. Okay. But I think the martial arts were really cool in that movie. Nice. Super realistic. And okay. it's not over-the-top action-y. It's very realistic stuff. Okay. Sure. Um, I thought it was a cool movie. Channing Tatum is also in it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. Huh. yep okay. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, I think we're going to wind down then. Do you want to do, do you have like anything that you would want to throw for potpourri, like a quick, like lightning round? Sure. Okay. And before we get to potpourri, we have a special, uh, Mike's pine tree potpourri section, um, or pine tree perfume. How did I, and one of those, <laughs> uh, this is his, uh, his take on Annabelle creation. So enjoy. Listen up, this will only take a second! Hey, Matt. Hey, Tiny. Uh, it's Mike. I'm super tired. I'm driving home, uh, and I just got out of the movie. Want a little heavy on the pine tree perfume there, kid? Sir, it's a taxi cab air freshener. Great, you've pinpointed it. Step two is washing it off. Hey, you obsessive listener freaks. This is Mike. You can find me on Twitter at I am Mike White, and I'm back for another session of Pine Tree Potpourri. Uh, pretty excited about the movie I saw tonight, Annabelle Creation. Uh, as you know, I'm a huge horror fan, uh, and any chance I get to see a horror movie that apparently is getting good reviews, I really, really get stoked on that. Uh, also, I'm really interested in this James Wanaverse. Uh, I, I just coined that phrase, so anytime somebody says James Wanaverse, I get a nickel. Uh, so this this Conjuring spinoff. We had The Conjuring. Then we had uh, Annabelle, then we had The Conjuring 2, and then Annabelle Creation. Annabelle Creation is a prequel to Annabelle, which was a prequel to The Conjuring. Okay, stop me if you've heard this one before, but it goes a little further back than you thought before. And um, One of the things I thought going in was how the hell are they going to make an interesting story about a thing? to which we already had an origin. Well, i got to be honest with you, they kind of pulled it off. Um, when you hear that there's a prequel to a prequel, I, I imagine it's hard to get your hopes high, but this morning as I was reading reviews, the Rotten Tomatoes has like an 82%, something like that. Uh, reviews were good. The trailer looked all right, and so I definitely went into Annabelle Creation thinking that this could be good, and it, and it really was. There were some uh, pretty effective scares uh, that I liked a lot. Um, so there's this new thing in horror movies, uh, and I guess you could say in the James Wanaverse, where the, the story is not so much the thing, and uh, scaring you shitless is also not so much the thing, but he creates... And he, uh, James Wan is just the, the producer. He's not the director of the film. Uh, the director of the film does not come to mind. I can't look it up at the moment because I'm driving. Uh, but it is the same guy who directed Lights Out, which I also enjoyed a lot last year. Um, so they do these, like, almost gimmicks. It's, it's, it's uh, like, new gimmicky scares. Like, what game can we play to create scares? Uh, and so there's a moment where a girl is kind of playing with this uh, old 1950s-style, like, pop gun, ball gun, uh, and it, she shoots it, and it goes into darkness, and it kind of comes back. So, like, there are almost these patented moments where you know when when this gimmick is happening, 
a scare is about to occur. Now, the scares uh, which happen after these gimmicks are usually effective, so I can give it a pass. However, there's really no uh, surprise that a scare is coming. As soon as a as soon as a gimmick begins, you're like, okay, uh, here we go. Um, fortunately, the movie doesn't resort. Res- uh, fortunately, the movie doesn't resort to uh, a lot of lame jump scares. Um, luckily, it, it it gives us some real genuine, uh, I think, earned scares. Um, a couple things I didn't like about it: the one of the main girls, uh, the character Linda. I think that she was the girl from Ouija Origins. I don't know. They're all called Origins now. The the prequel to Ouija. Uh, she was not as good in this as she was in Ouija. So uh, <clears throat> she kind of left us wanting a little bit. Uh, another problem I had was. Uh, at the beginning of the third act, there was a huge exposition dump uh, that just kind of blindsided you out of nowhere, and it felt very um, Encyclopedia Brown, like, this is how it happened back then. There's no way you could have known this audience. Information, 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 go. Uh, and then the last 20 minutes kind of dragged a little bit. Effective, interesting, scary, kind of wish it just got to the point. Uh, it does surprisingly, shockingly tie in legitimately to the first, next Annabelle movie. I don't know what you want to call it, um, but they kind of do that in, uh, if not an interesting, but a satisfying, legitimate kind of way. There is also uh, a tease, a little Easter egg in the movie for uh, more expansive expansion to the James Waterverse. I won't say what, but uh, if you're a fan of the series, keep your eye out for that. So uh, I do recommend, especially as fall is nearly upon us uh, and the season for scary movies is coming, um, I I definitely recommend Annabelle's creation, uh, if only for a few uh, good scares. So uh, I have been Mike White. You can find me at Twitter at I am Mike White. For the obsessive viewer, thank you guys so much for listening. Another episode of Pine Tree Potpourri. Good night, everybody. I'm really tired. i got to get up at 5 in the morning, and it is 12.05 right now. Holy crap. Bye. Thank you, Mike, for uh, providing us with that uh, with that review. And so now we're going to go to Potpourri, which is just a short segment where we talk about whatever we want. As long as it smells good, we just basically talk about... Uh, something we've seen or anything that we're looking forward to or anything like that. So, Tiny, what do you got for Potpourri? Uh, I wanted to mention the new Netflix show, Atypical. Oh, nice. Yeah, Paige and I started watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, we just wanted a new show to watch for, for the both of us. Um, it is really, really delightful. Nice. Um, it's a great show. It's it's really topical because, mm-hmm. you know, it's the, for those who don't know, the main character is uh, an autistic kid mm-hmm. um, who's in high school. Um, and it's just kind of about how he and his family deal with his, uh, disability. And it's, it's, it's topical right now because autism is very pervasive for, for whatever reason. Um, it's Mm -hmm. become an unfortunately, uh, common thing. Uh, it's, 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 it's a borderline epidemic. Um, but this, this movie kind of, or I'm sorry, this show kind of, uh, 
sheds a comedic light on it and how, you know, it, it kind of points out the fact that these are still people who can have normal lives and, you know, you don't need to, it doesn't need to be such a stigmatized thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it comes with its own set of challenges as to how a family deals with their everyday issues of just being a family. Um, you know, it really throws, throws a wrench in that. Um, and it's really just about how this family deals with and lives around this, this disability and how it, how it influences their lives in both negative and positive ways. Um, I thought it was going to be a little, a little too, um, not like political, but too agenda-y. Okay. Make it like, like, oh, they're, you know, they're just people or like they're, you know, like they're, it's not, they're pretty much normal or something. Like I thought it was going to be like shoving something down our throats. Mm -hmm. It's really not. It's very just, it's very general. Um, you kind of forget that the main character, Sam is autistic. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's kind of like low on the spectrum. He's, he doesn't have an extreme form of, of the disorder. Um, and so he, he's, you, you don't feel bad for laughing at him because it's really funny. Like someone will like say something, say something and he'll be like, well, it's not that way if you're a penguin. And it's just like, what the? It's okay. just so random. Like he's, right. it's it's very random humor. It's very blunt. Um, you know, because he doesn't. That's kind of what autism is, is. You don't necessarily understand social situations, mm-hmm. and he will just completely misread things. It's it's really funny, but it's also really heartwarming as well. Okay. The cast is just terrific. Uh, yeah. Jennifer Jason Lee plays his mother. Oh, nice. Um, and his dad is um uh Michael Rappaport. Oh, um, I like Michael Rappaport. Yes, they those two are terrific together. Nice. They're they're doing an an amazing job. Michael Rappaport is just like a very he plays like a really like a really nice guy, mm-hmm. like your your typical good guy. Um and then Bridget Lundy Payne plays his sister and she she might be like the brightest spot of the show. She's she's really great. Nice. She plays like this very strong-willed tomboyish kind of girl who mm-hmm kind of i don't know kind of has to deal with her brother's live in her brother's shadow because he kind of takes over a lot of the attention of the family okay because he's the one with with autism um and she kind of just wants to get out of there um but she also loves her family and it's mm-hmm. she she's a very deep multifaceted character um nice. it's just it's a really great show i highly recommend it uh we haven't finished the first season yet and i haven't really heard if it's if it's going to get approved for a second season or anything, I don't, I don't know much about it yet, but, uh, we're going to keep watching. I highly, highly recommend it. It's, it's funny and it's, it's sad at times and it's just, it's really heartwarming and it's, it's wholesome. (laughs) It's wholesome, but not annoyingly. So it's, it's wholesome in a 21st century kind of way. Okay. Um, they'll tell each other they love her. They love each other, but then they'll say, fuck you later on. So, um, (laughs) it's, it's rated R, it's family fun, but it's rated R. <laughs> nice. I really enjoy it, so check it out. Okay, sweet. And uh and yeah, that's on Netflix. It's uh it's a thirty minute show, which I I that's yes. interesting. Okay. Yep. Um all right, awesome. And I'll round us out with a brief potpourri. So I finished or I got all caught up with um Brooklyn nine nine recently. Nice. Yeah. Um I basically I just I mean I basically marathoned the C- series um recently because it was all on hulu and everything and 
Um, yeah, so I, I talked about the show previously, like when it first came out, like four years ago, and uh, and how I kind of enjoyed it. It was it's it's a fun kind of workplace comedy at a police precinct, um, and Andy Samberg is is great, and and uh, um, Andre Brower Brower um, is fantastic too. Is just a deadpan serious captain, and the interplay between them is is really. Uh, is really fun, but I at this point I've watched all every episode that's been released and everything and and has aired and in four seasons this show has really not lost much steam at all. It's really it's really funny and um it's consistent, which is which is great. Nice. Um yeah, and they have they have a good a strong supporting cast like any good sitcom it kind of doesn't rely on, but it's it's kind of good to have a good supporting cast and this one is is fantastic um terry cruz is phenomenal um it's just it's it's a really fun show it's it's really funny um there's one episode that i want to highlight though because it's like it was very surprising to me that it that this that the show went this route um and i mean it's great but like uh season four i think it was episode 16 it's called moo moo um and so the entire episode is is really fascinating. It is basically a it's it's kind of like a very on tonight on a very special episode of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Kind of it's not I don't think it's intentionally like a throwback to those types of like kind of special episodes on like on like uh shows from from in, in the past and everything mm-hmm. but it's structured that way because the episode i'll just read the plot description uh terry and holt terry is terry cruz holt is uh captain holt the uh captain of the precinct played by andre brower mm-hmm. um terry and holt have different ideas for dealing with a fellow police officer who creates trouble for terry in his own neighborhood and so this episode deals with racial profiling and it's like it's a it's it's a very surprisingly serious episode and it treats it with such a such an interesting and earnest uh like way like like it's a funny episode for comedic reasons that are that are part of the subplot but like the serious stuff of it isn't it's not like kind of to borrow the borrow your your uh um description of atypical but it's not like it's not like it's force feeding us or 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 shoving anything down our throat or being like a message show like it doesn't like step outside of the of of the world of brooklyn 99 to tell us about how terrible um racial profiling is and everything it's like it's just it exists in this world it's very it's very down to earth and very earnest and just in it puts together a really compelling viewpoint of of how 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 we look at and how police officers look at like racial profiling things like that it's it's very interesting and and very worth watching like if you're not if you're not interested in watching Brooklyn 99 i would recommend checking out this episode just to see just to see their take on on what is a a pretty important issue in our time hmm. um yeah it was just it was really interesting and not at all what i was expecting and it was cool. it was kind of a kind of a delight and very thought provoking um yeah, which um, on on the other side of the uh, of the of the spectrum, there I the, like um, there's an episode where um, <laughs> uh, long story short, um, Ken Marino, 
has a guest spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has he has kind of a recurring role. Uh, he is. He's going like he's going on like an undercover like mission or whatever with with Andy Samberg's character and Andre Brower. Um, and so he's like he's not he's not mentally equipped for the field or to uh, work as a police officer. He's kind of an oaf. And so uh, so uh, Holt and uh, Jake are going to go into a club that has this organized crime boss who's running it and they're going to go undercover and they're going to going to get details or whatever. So they're wearing a wire and then they have earpieces where Ken Marino's in the van outside. And like they had told him beforehand, they were like, um, all right, well just let us know if there's anything suspicious and let us know. So, <laughs> so like the scene had me howling with laughter because like Ken Marino throughout the entire scene's like, okay, got a woman with a dog. Oh, oh, now there's two women with a dog. Is this suspicious? <laughs> cough once if it's suspicious. <laughs> and, then, and then, like, when they cough, it's like, or cough once if it's suspicious, cough twice if it's not suspicious. Wait, who coughed? Was that you, Jake? Um, <laughs> and then, like, the guy is looking at, looking at Andy Samberg and is like, um, what's that? What are you doing? And then he's like, yeah, just allergies are, are crazy today. And then Ken, you just hear Ken Marina just saying, saying like, oh man, Jake, that's really good. And he's like <laughs> holding a conversation with them. And it's just, it's, it's hysterical. That sounds really funny. Yeah. Just the whole show's really good. And, uh, and to kind of tie it into our main review, um, they have yearly episodes, uh, like their Halloween episodes are heist episodes. So like they have like a thing where they have like a competition in the precinct to see who can steal something from the other person or something. <laughs> so it's 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 really inventive the way they do that. But anyway, that's Brooklyn Nine Nine, all on Hulu. It's it's a lot of fun, and uh, I really like it. And the new season starts in September twenty sixth, I think, and it's on Fox. But yeah, nice. Um, and yeah, I think that'll do it for this episode of the Obsessive Viewer. Yeesh. Um, yeah, we will have uh, something, probably a, a review of it. I was going to say a bonus episode about Game of Thrones, but that has already gone up by the time you're listening to this. So I think next week we're going to review it, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a blast. Um, yeah, come see it with us on uh, September 9th at Trader's Point, and uh, yeah, at 1 o'clock. Um, yeah, having said all that, uh, thank you guys for listening, and uh, uh, see you next time. Thanks, guys. Tickets are on sale now for the fourth annual Shocktober in Irvington, presented by the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Join the hosts of the Obsessive Viewer on October 6th, 2017 at the Irving Theater for a one-night event screening of short horror films, including the premiere screenings of the latest film in J.P. Lex cross-medium elsewhere world universe, the latest film from Snapshot Productions, and much more. Come celebrate the horror genre in the historic Irvington area and meet the filmmakers with live Q&As after each screening. You can also win DVDs and Blu-rays, movie-related party games, horror-themed Funko Pop figures, gift cards to Irvington businesses, and so much more. Tickets are on sale now at shocktoberinirvington.com. All proceeds go directly to the Irvington Historical Society. And whether at the Irving Theater or in your nightmares, we will be seeing you on the 6th of October. 
Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com. And you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you'd like to support the show, the best and easiest way is to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. More ratings and reviews means it'll be easier for people to find the show in the highly competitive film and TV podcast genre. It also provides us with valuable feedback on the show. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a one-time PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate or become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for recurring donations with different reward tiers. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, notebooks, phone cases, and more, visit our Tee Public store. You can also buy other great Tee Public designs in our store, and we'll get a small commission on the sale. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. We love to hear from you guys. You can contact us by emailing podcast at obsessiveviewer.com or by tweeting us at obsessiveviewer, at obsessivetiny, and at I am Mike White. You can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer where you can take part in discussions and polls between episodes. For more podcast content, check out Anthology, Matt's solo podcast, where he's reviewing The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and exploring other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows. You can find Anthology at anthologypod.com and anywhere podcasts are found. For book lovers, you can check out our sister site at obsessivebooknerd.com for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.